The Leafs win. The Leafs take a massive four to one win. They did it. Everybody is back. Everyone looks back to form. This is Leafs Late Night. Welcome back to another episode. I am joined by both of my co-hosts, Steph the Fanless and Sally. Welcome back, guys. Yes, so good to be back after missing one day. I know it's been a little while for Sophie there, but ah, feels great with a big win tonight. For once, I did not feel much anxiety while watching the game, but good night. It's nice for a change, eh? Oh, it's so nice to come back on a win like this. It actually feels like the Leafs that we recognize. Oh, yeah. Just on a, on a personal note, I mean, Sadie, you've been gone for a while. How was, uh, how was Halloween? How you been? Oh, Halloween? I've had no Halloween. I've been buried in work for the past two weeks. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to watch the games, hardly. Fair, fair enough. We saw you had a little, uh, little costume, I think, kind of. Oh, I had no well, costume. Some of the crew well, did, but... Uh... I Were you, didn't you have some little light-up cat ears on there in that picture? Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I did have that, yeah. That's true. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and, uh, Steph, since our last show, you had your, your birthday on the last win, and uh, you haven't been back, so how was the Sally and all the costumes? You had a good little show there. It was good, especially not able being able to do anything last year. This year, we just came out with a bang, especially my partner's birthday is on Halloween, so... The deal was I choose a costume, she chooses a costume. So first thing, I had to go with a gender bender, Joe Exotic, a.k.a. the Tiger King himself. That was a pretty big hit. <laughs> it even it though, looked so good. <laughs> that was great. Even though I had some people ask me throughout the night, hey, are you the Larry the Cable Guy? And I'm like, no. Oh, come on. <laughs> But uh, the second costume, she chose to be Harley Quinn, so I went with the Joker himself and went with the Dark Knight Joker because it was the only Joker I've ever seen, disclaimer, and that, I like that makeup the best, so it was nice. Yeah, I was going to do the Joker as well because I just have the costume already and I'm not going out to anything. I was just going to hand out candy. But uh, by the time I got back from running errands and got dinner ready, I think three kids showed up while I was cooking and that was all we got. So I was like, well, I guess I'm I guess I'm not going to dress up to the <laughs> anything this, uh, this year. We're just going to go with that. Um, I think we've got some... Quick technical there. We lost Steph, but we'll keep going anyway. Um, Leafs had a fantastic showing, like really from, from the start there. Well, I shouldn't say from the start, because once again, the game was blacked out in Ottawa. So uh, I missed the first three and a half minutes of the game. But from where I started, after the whistle, I guess, uh, the Leafs looked great. It was about six and a half minutes of, uh, of play. And uh, they were dominating. Like, it was the first place in the North Division team that we saw last year again. Yeah, that's exactly what it looked like to me, too. Like I said, right off the bat, too, right from the first pent drop, they looked like they had a great chance. Um, all the way to the 12-minute mark in the first period, the shots were 8-1. to They looked really cool, calm, collected. Like you said, it was a team that we were watching from last year. It seemed like they totally had their confidence back, and they were making plays. Well, the thing I noticed the most was the, the Matthews-Bunting Nylander line looked great. I mean, despite the win against Detroit, they didn't look very good. Tonight, they looked good. They were all over the place. Nylander had some good looks, even though he didn't uh, didn't score until later in the game. But uh, the first period, they looked fantastic. Really liked the first play, or the first period. They set the tone for how the game was going to play out tonight, which was nice. I'm so glad the Leafs just kind of told each other, okay, guys, we can't play like we have been the first six games of the season. I know the Detroit game was a bit of a start, but definitely took uh, what Keith was saying prior to the game. Like, they need to build a consistency. They need to have their confidence back. And it really showed in the first period. Yeah, they had a ton of chances. Uh, Richie steals one from Michael Amadio, who was uh, weirdly one of the best players on Vegas tonight. And uh, he almost set Spezza up. Like, I mean, by the end of the first period, they almost had, like, four or five goals. Leonard was just keeping them in it with all of his might. 
Yeah, I think Stefan's like really bang on there. Like they look so organized tonight. They had sustained pressure, um, good support from the second and third four checkers all the time. And I feel like Marner really, really led the charge there. He looked so confident today. Like he was trusting himself. He was holding onto the puck that extra second, making the smart plays. Like that's the Marner that we're really used to seeing. Yeah, and it led to a goal. I mean, and a really good one at that. So uh, it was finally after, like I said, about six and a half minutes of play, there was a whistle and it was a goal. Marner just with a beautiful backhand play to kind of sneak the puck in there around Leonard, a really tight little pocket to get it in. And he just lit up. You could tell the switch went on and he's back and it showed for the rest of the game. And I'm, I'm thinking we're going to see the real Marner back for a while. Yeah, it really looks like he is back. And another huge thing in that first period, like, was their neutral zone play. And Vegas could not break out whatsoever. Every time they tried, the Leafs just clamped down, like, no breakout whatsoever. It was really, really nice to see that. Yeah, I mean, they had their first shot, like, what was it, nine and a half minutes into the game? Yep. They couldn't get anywhere near the net. It was wild. Um, I saw Matthews was blocking shots. Uh, he was playing really well defensively. Everybody showed up and played all the roles that they needed to to win. And that's the kind of uh, show you need from a playoff contender and not a 500 team like they've been playing for the last two weeks. Yeah, Marner with the video-esque style goal there in the first period. And it's kind of like, new teeth, who dis, right? Just since oh, last yeah. game, he's been on fire and that's exactly what he needed after snapping that 16 gold or uh, 16 game gold drought and getting his teeth fixed but we have to remember this vegas team was kind of like swiss cheese they were missing uh 44% of the team's goal scorers that scored last season five guys max pacioretty mark stone alex tuck like the list goes on william carlson and we couldn't have a repeat of the 7-1 loss against the Pens, so I'm really glad the Leafs pushed and continue to push into the second period. Yeah, this is what you expect from a depleted team going up against the Leafs. and it, We wanted to see it, and they were kind of working their way towards that between the Chicago game and the, the Detroit game, kind of building their way back up, and I feel like tonight we finally saw everything, everything worked. From the power play to the defense to the offense to the neutral zone, it all worked. Um, I want to talk about one thing in the first period quick. Michael Bunting was high-sticked, and that resulted in a four-minute penalty that was quickly overturned because the stick that hit him in the face was his own. Now, this is also, I'm going to work in an Ed's text, because uh, yes. <laughs> between the periods, my dad goes up to the garage to have a smoke. And he listens to TSN radio. So I guess on TSN TV, where they were showing the game that he saw, uh, they were saying that the call reversal was good. They agreed with it. Then he went outside and listened to Jim Taddy on TSN radio, shout out, who disagreed with it. Same network, two different uh, mediums, two different opinions. So I I think it's still a high-sticking call. Like maybe it sh I agree that it shouldn't have been four, but... In order for Bunting's stick to hit himself in the face, the other player's stick has to come high enough that it would hit him in the face. Like, had Bunting's stick not been there, it would have been a high stick. So, I'm sorry, that's still a penalty in my books. What do you guys think? I totally agree with you, Johnny. If the opposition is responsible for your own stick hitting you in the face they should get the penalty but on paper in the nhl this isn't the case and no one caught it with the first look around right we were all excited oh four minute power play but that quickly got overturned but i don't know i'm i'm totally with you there I yeah i disagree i think I don't know. Since they hit his stick, like you said, by the rule of the book, that is not a high-sticking penalty as much as you really want it to be. Um, that's the one I kind of agree with. It, I don't think it should have been. Okay. And like I said, there's two very good arguments for this uh, on either side. It's just uh, it's a weird call either way. Uh, I think it confused everybody on both sides. Everyone had to look back at the review of that. Definitely. I think the main thing to take away from it was like it didn't really deflate the boys. They kind of rallied behind it and played fucking great afterwards. No, you're absolutely right. Um, I missed what happened with Kasha. They were talking about he got hit and didn't come back for a bit, but I mean, I saw him 
the rest of the game and he looked fine. But did he take a massive hit from somebody? Yeah, it was looking like he was limping to the bench or just really slow on his skates and his face did not look impressed, but it must have not been as serious because he was back for the second. But uh, yeah, another person who was kind of missing in the second period was uh, Dermot. Right, Dermot, I think they said he played a couple minutes. I didn't see him in the second period though, so did we see what happened there? He took a, took a shot, he blocked something. I think he took a shot, got some x-rays, turned up negative, and the trooper that he is, he just came right back. <laughs> Good for him, Quick honestly. scan and done, right in the back yeah. room. <laughs> Put me back um, in, coach. Yeah, boy. So uh, then, to close off the period, Tavares almost sees Marner for his second of the night, um, but just missed it. And then Dadanov on the other end, just kind of lows a wraparound attempt like the net was wide open i thought that was going in and he just kind of threw it out to the front lost it at the last second not quite i mean after we see matthews and uh and nylander and and marner sorry with these uh with these nice little plays and backhands and wraparounds you kind of just expect it but then you remember oh yeah these guys are special not everybody <laughs> can do that every time Second period, Matthews alone had six shots on net. Uh, so you knew things were looking good for the Leafs, especially in the last minute when Keith just put out Marner, Matthews, Nylander, and then Matthews got his second goal. Oh, beautiful. And he must have felt really good being able to snipe that puck and it, having it go straight in the net, something he's been craving for a while now. Yeah, you can definitely tell the wrist is back. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely I've... it seemed... Go ahead, Seth. Sorry, I just, while I was uh, looking down here, it just reminds me of Marner with the two shorthanded chances, too. This guy was all over the puck tonight. He even made a diving pl play to get the puck back, so that was also awesome to see. Yeah, it really looked like the big four where everybody showed up for this game. They had confidence. They were holding on to the puck longer. They were making really, really crisp plays. It, like I said, it seemed like they were playing like last year's team. And to your point, Steph, Marner was amazing on the PK. I think every penalty kill we had, he had an odd rush chance. Yeah, it was, oh, it was amazing. And even Nylander with a couple chances, and he usually doesn't play on the PK, but this year things have been a little different, and he's been taking a more of a leadership role on the team, which is nice to see. But, uh, yeah, I have to also give props to Littlegren. Uh, he made a lot of nice pinches on some plays. Same with Sandine. I love when he uses the bot and just throws it around. He's not afraid to use his sides, his size. So everyone just worked so nicely. And like I said earlier, for once, I didn't have any anxiety throughout the game, especially in the third period where you would think, oh, maybe shit's going to hit the fan. You never know, but... It was good. To your point, I thought Luli and Sandin played so well together, especially in the second. They were really, really paired together then. Um, it seemed like they were reading off each other really well. Um, they were responsible for each other. One would rush, the other would step back. I kind of liked that pairing quite a bit. Yeah, that pair, I mean, I was nervous about them being on the third because I'd want to see them get more minutes, but it, Keith has really spread them out um, minute-wise, the first, second, and third, so everybody's got an equal ice time. You know, that second shutdown pair has been out there enough when they need to be. And, you know, the, the third's been getting those those offensive chances as well. So I, I like what they've been getting. Oh, they have to be a D by committee, I think. Yeah. One thing that happened in the second period, another weird not call. Uh, Leonard knocked the net off. I mean, yeah, he was making a save, but mm, what do we think there? That's just a wily veteran move. You know, he that should have been a delay of the game, but... I think the refs gave him the benefit of the doubt there, but he clearly tried to knock it off the post. That's my thought. I mean, yeah, he's a big guy, like 250 pounds, but it's Robin Leonard. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, I think the argument there was that he did it too soon. It wasn't in a rush situation where everyone is just scrambling. It just kind of happened. So I think that's why he got, got away with it there. But uh, obviously when you first see that, play you're just like okay there robin we know what's going on <laughs> you've been getting peppered all day yeah they let him get away with one i think 
Um, oh, and the, that tic-tac-toe from the second line in the second period there, uh, Kerfoot, Nylander, and Tavares, it was like Tavares, or sorry, um, Kerfoot took it to Marner, back to Kerfoot, and then over to Tavares, who almost scored it. It was a oh, beautiful play. I've been really critical of where Kerfoot fits on this team and what we do with a contract like that in the scope of, you know, the next couple of years with what the Leafs have signed themselves into, but this second line is working really well. Like, the way that they've spread out Matthews and Marner, it's really working. Kerfoot plays well with, I, th- I guess, his old line mate there in uh, Tavares, so I, I'm not against keeping him there. I don't think he should be seeing any more third and fourth line minutes. I totally agree with you, Johnny. Uh, I think Kerfoot has proven himself. He's proven to be that guy who can rush down the ice, grab the puck for the two shooters by his side. So why not keep him there? We have solid third line um, men on the team. We have the fourth line. So I, I'm, I'm with you there about Kerfoot. And it's a, a good spot for him to earn his salary. I couldn't agree with you more. I think Kerfoot is best suited for a second-line type of play. Um, third line, he's, you know, he's all right, but he's really not that grinder, shutdown type guy. He's got great offensive skill and speed, and he fetches pucks for guys like Tavares, and that's what he should be doing. And into the third period, speaking of, of grinding the pucks out, that fourth line, I can't count how many times between even the third and fourth line, the puck started in the Leafs end when they got out there, and... They moved it into the offensive zone, and the other guys were able to jump out and take over the shift. Like, they stole that puck away every time they were out there, created offensive chances, cleared everything out for the first or second line to jump out there and take over. Like, they were fantastic. Simmons was just a... He, he looks like the most annoying person to play against. I love it. <laughs> I love it, and his toothless smile. I just love when shit hits the fan on the ice and Simmons is right in the play, but... The one thing that worried me was the too many men on the ice call, and I was worried that the Leafs would go a little bit downhill after that, but gotta say, they they just stuck through and continued their play, and I was kind of surprised to see the goalie not pulled, but at the same time, you're like, eh, I don't know if the team's going anywhere with it, especially with so many uh, star forwards missing out of the lineup, but hey... Yeah, I mean, there wasn't much to put out in front of Leonard in the first place. Like, it's eh, it's tough. He's getting. It's not like he's getting scored on bad chances by depth players. It's he's getting fed by superstars all night. So it's tough to blame him. Yeah, that too many men on the ice penalty was kind of hard one to swallow. It seemed like maybe the tide would shift a tiny bit there, but they came out with a super good PK. And to your point about Simmons, that guy was just so positionally sound today. He was all over the box, winning every single battle. That whole line, like you said, they were great. They would clamp down in their zone, get it out, change. And like that went back to their neutral zone play. They were so effective there. Vegas couldn't get anything going. Nothing. And uh, so we've got points from all of the big four, which I guess we should call the big five now. We can throw Riley in there, whose contract we will discuss later. Uh, points from all of them, assists from Miley and Tavares. We got uh, three points from Marner, two from Matthews, and two from Nylander. So this is yeah, what you pay points for. points in total. This is what you pay for. This is what they should be doing. And uh, I'm really looking forward to a couple exciting games against uh, against Boston and Tampa going forward. Yeah, this is exactly what we've been waiting for all season long. And that's why we've been so critical of the Leafs, because we know what their potential can bring to the table so tonight was just a cherry on top but keeping in mind that vegas is missing a lot of players out of the lineup so it is a good start so happy for campbell getting his fifth career shutout third with toronto so now in the last 12 games he's 10 1 and 1 on home ice elite status but the leafs definitely deserve this tonight and I just really hope it goes uphill. Now we need uh, Tavares to score a couple. I was hoping that he would score just to make it even better, but you can't get everything you wish for. Well, at least he had an apple, but I'm really glad you mentioned Campbell because I thought he was really effective tonight. It didn't look like he was too busy, but every time the puck came to him, he clamped it down, got a face-off, and the boys were great on the face-off dot today. Anytime he was called upon, he made a huge save. Again, he was just so reliable back there. I'm so glad to have him. 
Yeah. Like I've mentioned on previous episodes, when when the crew in front, they're doing so well, Campbell is on fire because he's so emotional and he just, he's always going to be elite in my mind, but he's definitely proving to be the number one goaltender on the team. And I think with the whole Morazic thing and him being back, he's still going to get more starts, but I don't know what you guys think about that. Oh, I think he should get more starts. Like he looked so steady back there. It was never ever worried once about him or anything like that, which is so nice to have for a Toronto goaltender. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the last time I felt this confident in a tandem was like when we had Reimer and Bernier. Really, like the Leafs haven't had a backup that I've been confident in that's healthy. Like usually it's somebody's hurt and we get our second and third. It's very rare that our first and second goalie are like healthy at the same time. So it's I'm definitely agreeing with you guys that Campbell's probably going to see more than 50% of the season. It's going to look more like a 70-30 between him and Mrazek, injuries aside. Um, I just... <sighs> They'll give him a couple more chances, obviously, to prove himself, but I think one has uh, one's shining over the other. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, with that, let's move on to some Leafs news. So, last episode, I mentioned while I was alone, boohoo, that uh, Michael Amadio was uh, claimed off waivers. So, it's not as big of a hit as Leafs Nation, you know, would think as uh, losing somebody like Adam Brooks was. But, uh, I mean, again, it's not nothing. The Leafs continue to lose people to waivers. Uh, is there a positive here? Like, do we maybe see Josh Hosang play? Like, what's... What does this mean? I think it's a great possibility, especially with Hosang uh, leading the AHL in points. Well, he's in top three for sure right now but i think the thing we have to remember is that mikhaev is close to returning and today he did skate he did not puck handle but he's about four weeks from projected return so my question would be who is going to sit in replace of Ilya mikhaev i literally almost forgot about Ilya mikhaev yeah honestly (laughs) and it, it, it with all the people that we lost in the off season, he, I kind of just mentally wrapped him in with those people because he hasn't played a regular season game yet. I don't think so. At this point, uh, I'm not really sure if anybody should sit for him. And like we said, we lost Remedio, but that's just the nature of the beast with Toronto and their cap situation, and especially with their waiver situation. That's always going to happen. So we're going to lose players like that here and there. And to hosting, I would love to see him come up. I think he can be like Galley was like last year for us. I think that'd be fantastic. You know, nice redemption story. But mm-hmm. I agree. There's nobody that has played their way out of a spot for Mikheyev to take over. Like, everybody looks solid, especially after tonight. You know, maybe last week my answer would have been different. But after tonight, everybody's found their groove on their yeah. lines. Like, they it all seems look like great. everybody's roles are really getting defined here. And I'm, I don't know. I wouldn't want to mess that up. Especially yeah. with a guy who's requesting a trade. You don't know where his head's at with this team. <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely love to see Josh Hosang come up, especially uh, he was the 28th overall pick of the 2014 draft, and he's a first-rounder. We know this guy can be solid for the Leafs, but is it going to be another Galanchuk situation where the Leafs spend so much time developing the kid and putting so much time and effort into them, and then they play for a couple months, and then they're off to another team again? So... Yeah, as good as Galchenyuk was playing, I've we we've seen how much the attitude and emotion matters to this team, and how much Dubas has been bringing in you know local Toronto people that want to play for the Leafs. You know, maybe there was just not the attitude there because we've we've heard that in the past about him. He doesn't always give a hundred percent. There's a bit of an attitude problem. So. And maybe he just didn't get along with Keith as well as he was playing on and off with the team. So just thought it was better to move on from him. Hosang could be hopefully a better story. Hopefully. Like yeah. you said, he's got the pedigree to be that type of player. And he's definitely getting the chance in the AHL right now. And yeah, I'd love to see him come up eventually. 
And the thing with the Leafs and all of these new players is that when they do come up, they're given every opportunity. Like we saw Galley play with uh, Austin Matthews and Marner last year on the first line. And like, there's so many opportunities, whether it's on the first, second, third line, they're, they're set up for success. So I guess if they don't produce as expected, it's a clear cut to waivers or a trade or whatever Dubas can get in return just to make the team that much better. They, there's just so much competition at the end of the lineup. So, I think you're exactly right. Like These guys are first to third line players. They're not fourth line grinders. So they're going to be given that opportunity to be offensive and promote their skills as the way they should be. And if not, then you said, yeah, they're back down or they're to a different team. Do we see maybe a Ilya Mikheyev, Justin Hall trade situation uh, in the near future? I mean, do they have really good value right now? I think Justin Hall does at $2 million for a defenseman who has a pretty decent track record this year aside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Justin Hall is one of those forever Leaf players too in my mind because he's been up and down out of the lineup prior to two years ago so many times. And it's like the, the Leafs love to keep this guy on the roster, but... Unfortunately, this year, he's had a really down year. I don't know what's up with him. Same with Muzzin, right? We have such high expectations out of Jake Muzzin. So I'm hoping that he gets the opportunity to come back and show show us his skills. But at the same time, I'm also glad about Lily getting that opportunity, especially tonight in the second period, playing alongside Morgan Riley for literally all of the period except for a minute and 34 or whatever it was that Dermot played so the competition is tough I think you nailed no. it right there because their depth is kind of a great spot for them right now so I'm, I don't know. I'm not too interested in trading Hall at the moment especially if we have an injury or something like that then that cascades and there's a real problem on the defensive end so I would keep around for the time being at least unless if you're making a trade for another defenseman Mm-hmm. We don't want Martin Marincin to play. Oh God! <laughs> don't even say How that name you. to me. Honestly, uh, I'm sick of hearing this guy. I don't know. I just don't like this guy, and he's just been horrible. And I know there's a lot of Marincin fans out there, but how um, long do you get. have to drag it out? You he's know, the Hutchinson of defensemen. Like, yeah, <laughs> enough with him already. People just like underdog stories. That's the only reason. Uh, so Riley's contract, now that we're all here to talk about it, uh, we can also compare it to Adam Fox's that was signed. So my take, now that I've had some time to sit with both of them, is as Leaf fans, we've seen some up and down years from Riley uh, since 2012, I want to say. Um, 13, yeah. Yep. So $7.5 million, I think, is appropriate for the ceiling that we've seen from him as and as low as his floor has been. Uh, Adam Fox has played like 50 games um, and gets nine and a half. Now, I we've seen Riley play a season that is deserving of nine and a half million dollars, but we've also seen Riley go on to play a season that we would shoot ourselves in the foot for giving him nine and a half million dollars for. <laughs> How long until the Rangers get a season out of Adam Fox where they go, oh, shit? You know, it's tough because I know there's a lot of talk on Twitter that Adam Fox was overpaid and we covered the contract situation before he signed saying that, you know, if Adam Fox has a great year and with his age, he can get close to $10 million. But facts are facts. He's only played 134 career NHL games. He's won the Norris Trophy in his sophomore year with 47 points in 55 games. This year he has 9 in 9 games. I think it's only going up for Adam Fox, especially with a healthy Rangers team by his side, but you're absolutely right about Morgan Riley too. Like he had his best year in 2018-2019 with 72 points and then I drafted him the next year after, and it was just horrible. Oh, my God, what a disappointment. But it's been rocky with Riley. It's been up and down like crazy. So I think it's a steal, especially with his age and the ceiling that he has to offer. Yeah, I think the Riley contract is 
pretty much bang on for what he deserves right now. He probably could have got a lot more in the open market, but with the eight year, he took the 7.5, and that's going to be very friendly, I think, Toronto going forward, especially with the cap going up. Um, Phil Castle's salary getting off the books. And as to Fox, that's a good investment. This guy has been nothing but excellent so far his whole career. I think his trajectory is only going upwards. He's already won one Norris. I can see him winning a few more in the future. That's I think that's the scouting department just really betting on them. Yeah. Oh, I got to agree. Um, just want to move on quick because we are uh, running a little over here. Uh, Cedric Paquette gets a two-game suspension for boarding Trevor Zegras. Uh, kind of an ugly hit. Zegers changed directions. Uh, his body, he, he's kind of facing the boards the whole time and stops, but really Puckett had more than enough time to not plow into him. Uh, so he gets a two-game suspension for that. I got a shout-out uh, at Maple underscore Leafs underscore fan for tweeting. Um, this is actually a four-game suspension, but Kadri will be serving the other two as he <laughs> should have known better. And just watching this hit... You know Paquette is a he has the hitting role on the team. Every team he's played for, that's that's his job, right? But you're absolutely right when you say like bad hit. He hit him right in the numbers. He was immediately ejected from the game right after. And Zegras is a baby. He's six foot, 185 pounds. Literally born in 2001. It's just so young to me. Just thinking about that, but. <laughs> But I also noticed tonight, just to tie in on this topic, that the refs were were yelling in the second period of the Leafs game, no extension, no extension, just warning them for the possible cross-checking call. So they're really stiffening up on these cross-check calls and boarding calls, all that good jazz. So, yeah. But communication I, I, is good. I'm glad that they're saying on the ice, like, watch that. So they're not just calling these things and the players are getting pissed. I definitely made a note of that. Like, that helps the players so much. Just knowing where the ref's head is at and kind of what they're calling and what they're not calling, it really lets the flow of the game get a lot better. Yeah, and it gives the message out to players. Like, this is allowed, this is not yeah. allowed. And I, we spoke so much about it, I think, in our first couple podcasts. Like, what what is defined as a cross-check, as a hook, whatever. So, Paquette, he's... He's not that much of a big guy. Like, he's 205 pounds, 6 foot. I know it's only a 20-pound different, but this guy in that role in the NHL just absolutely crushed the kid, said, welcome to the NHL, <laughs> hello, thank you, and good night. So, yeah. A little bit of a, you know, Trevor was digging the puck out of his skates. He should have looked up. He should have had his head up. But at the same time, Cedric should have been a little bit smarter on the play. Yeah, that was a bit of my take too, is he, he did kind of have his back to the the whole play. He, you know, facing the boards the whole time and changing directions and keeping his body facing that way and holding the puck. I don't know, it's one of those things, I, I wrote in my notes here that Don Cherry probably would have had a heyday with in Coach's <laughs> Corner, but, um, you know, we're in a different world now. So, Paquette with a dangerous hit gets a two-game suspension. Uh, I don't want to rush through this, um, so we might actually hold this topic till the next show as we're going a little over. Um, but for next episode, we'll be covering there's and we'll we'll let it breathe a little bit because a lot has been happening since Bettman's press conference and the response to it, um, and the pretty negative fallout since. So still expanding um, Chicago Blackhawks scandal. It is not going away as it shouldn't. But um, with that, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back with a round of belief or disbelief. You're listening to Leafs Late Night. All right, welcome back, welcome back. We're gonna play a round of belief or disbelief. So it's been a while since we played this last, but a uh, pretty simple game. I'm going to give you guys some takes, mostly leaf-based. You're going to tell me if you uh, believe or disbelieve these things. Yes. Sound good? I'm Sounds excited. Good. My first time. Cool. Ooh, first time player. So uh, first take here. Uh, Austin Matthews is still in the rocket race. Now, given these were written before the game, before he lit up. Yeah, 
that's where I'm conflicted. Because if you were to ask me about four hours ago, I would have said disbelief. And I'm not just being a hater. It's also because Alex Ovechkin leads the league with eight already. And he did that in seven appearances. So this guy is not slowing down. He was the first star of the NHL in the month of October. And the Caps completed October without a regulation loss for the first time in history. But after tonight, Ovi's only six ahead of Austin. So it's a tough take, but as a Leafs fan, I'll change my answer to belief because we have to believe the Leafs. But yeah. Put me down for a huge belief. He's the type of guy who can <laughs> score like nine goals in four games and he does get streaky like that. He unfortunately missed entire training camp, came back after his surgery, and is just starting to find his form, I think, right now. Like, I don't even think he's found it yet. So this guy is just going to be dynamite the rest of the season, and I think he is going to for sure lead the league in goals. Yeah, I think tonight's the first time he looked like he was returned to form. Uh, like you said, no training camp, so those first couple games we can basically call his preseason. And uh, he looks good now. I uh, I believe it. Um if he keeps on this pace and has a couple good streaks, he'll be right up there with Ovechkin and uh, I don't know who else is. I got to check back, but it's hard now because people are yeah. on weird streaks like Chris Kreider's got seven behind Ovechkin. Even now, like <laughs> I don't think he's quite into form. He's rounding into form, but he's still not quite there. No. So uh, second take here. Leafs will regret giving Riley a no move clause because it is the most attractive defensive contract in the league. I absolutely believe this, and it will show later down the line in the four, five, six mark point of his contract, even though this no-move clause will only for a section of the contract, but still at $7.5 million a year, this is an absolute steal. No matter which year you, rec- you compare Riley to, he still plays on a team full of elite superstars, so... Later down the down the line, Dubis will be patting himself on the back, saying, "Yes, I did good." I completely agree. I can't see them regretting this whatsoever, especially like in the last two years, he's got a ten ten uh, sorry ten team no trade movement clause, and that will take him till he's thirty three. So at that point, he's for sure at least going to be a top four player for them. Still very very steady. That's yeah, it's a great contract. No regrets whatsoever. So two disbeliefs, no regrets. Okay, okay. Um, just for the sake of this, I'll, I'll just host for now. Uh, so three, Travis Dermott is staying on the top defensive pair. Absolutely not. Disbelief. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't care how anyone puts it to me on Twitter. Any way you want to say it, Travis Dermott is not a great defenseman or defender. He only played a minute 34 in the second period. He was moved to the third line with, or to the bottom line, sorry, with Sandine and Lily moved up with Riley like we previously discussed. So, no, absolutely not. Big disbelief. Yeah, 100% disbelief. This guy is not a top four defenseman. He is barely a fifth defenseman. And everything he can do, Sandine, Lily can do better. Mo can do better. Yeah, there's no real room for him on this team, I don't think. Or at least on the top four. Hey, he's there for now, so we're going to have to uh, figure out what the series of events is that replaces him on that top pair. But no, I have to agree, it's not a it's not a permanent stay, and it can't be. Uh, number four, Freddie beats Jack's record. And that's of consecutive wins to start a season. I believe this. And just he, the facts back up my belief statement because he's he alone is seven and zero to start the season, so he's already ha- over halfway there. Has a shutout. He's posting a .956 save percentage. He plays on an elite Carolina Hurricanes team. I really think he can do it. Part of me wants to believe that he can, but I I don't know. I'm going to go with disbelief on this because it's such a hard record to get it. Before Jack did it, it stood for so long. All it takes is one bad game for him, really, or a bad game from his team. Like you said, his team is elite, so he definitely has a chance to do it. But um, maybe it's just the homer in me. I don't think it's going to happen. 
Yeah, and I mean, there's the difference between Jack doing it spread out over a longer period of time than Freddy doing it consecutively, um, like back-to-back games without a break in between. I mean, Jack was hurt in the middle of his. That's the other so, thing, too. It's it's a different kind of pressure on Freddy, and I don't know if he'll keep it up. So I'm, I'm going to agree with you there. Um, Leafs trade for a first-line left winger. Belief or disbelief? Something's telling me believe, but Ooh. I really believe in bunting, and I'm going to say disbelief on this. He he looks solid beside uh, Nylander and Matthews. He looks like he belongs. He's in all the right spaces at the right times. He's He's been great, and it just gets better and better. So I think bunting will hold that spot on the first line, and I will give a big disbelief on this take for the exact same reason you just mentioned i'm going to give a huge disbelief too because bunting seems like he's really coming to that role on the front line especially like just taking his place with hyman he's not as physical and doesn't quite dig out the pucks as good as he does but he's always Mm -hmm. right around the front of the net he's passing really really well and even without him there's still kerfoot who's in the lineup too who can always step up a little bit and I just can't see Dubis really investing in another big forward, especially when there's a few holes on the back end. Yeah, I gotta say, if Richie was still in that spot, my answer would be completely different, especially if we didn't have bunting on the team. So the fact that Richie has now been bumped to the fourth line gives me all faith that bunting will stay on that top line. I completely agree with that, too. Hey, and Richie looked good out there. He was throwing the body around. I think if he finds... His, you know, his groove on that fourth checking line and he sticks at it instead of forcing him into a first line role. I think it's pretty good for what we're paying him. It's only about a a million something. So, yeah, Yeah, he's great on the fourth or third line. You know, guys, I got to disagree. Richie has not been impressing me tonight. The only thing I noticed from him was a centering pass that bounced off his skate and it was a complete miss at the net. He had a couple good hits and that was about it. I noticed Simmer way more and Spez, of course, but I don't know. I'm just still not sold on Richie. He's definitely still working his way in. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to be impressed, but I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Um, so let's take some questions from Twitter. So our friend at 194 Luke Man. So we already talked about our thoughts on the Riley deal. Uh, who else should we try to go for with these um, team-friendly contracts? Like, I mean, Tampa does it. Do we think that? Soupy is somebody that we would be able to get to a nice team-friendly contract and keep him around. Like we didn't think Dubas would be able to pull Riley off, so maybe Jack's sticking around. Yeah, I can see Soupy just being a team player, and especially if he's going to stay on an elite team who has a chance at the Cup, I can see him taking a discount. We already know. Uh, Spezza, for example, has been taking a huge discount and has been so productive. And then we, now we have Bunting at a great rate. But I can definitely see Soupy getting less, especially with his lack of NHL experience. But at the same time, he deserves more because he's an elite goaltender, as I've said so many times. But that's just my take. I completely agree with you there, Steph. I think Soupy's the guy for it for sure. He's... He's actually found a place where he really, really is thriving. He likes the organization. He likes his goalie coach. He's really coming into his own here. I think he feels comfortable. And I think that matters more to him than getting term and salary. And I would not be surprised at all to see Dubas locking him up very soon. So not only do we have to figure out um, a goalie, but uh, Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren are both RFAs at the end of this year. So... That's one that he's going to have to figure out as well. And uh, on top of that, Andre Kasha, Pierre Engvall, and uh, Jason Spezza, of course, because he's only on a one-year deal. So this this team's not going to look the same next year. We know that. That's just going to be a factor of having the cap spread out the way it is amongst a couple guys. But how do we keep Sandine and Lilligren? Yeah, unless uh, Kasha takes league minimum, I don't see him staying on the Leafs, honestly. I can even see him being traded before the deadline, so that would be freed up a little, especially if they trade for picks. 
But Lily is given that opportunity now to prove something of himself, especially with Hull being scratched. So it's going to be tough. I, they're obviously not going to get the seven to nine million. I can see them being signed for three to four ish, depending on exactly. how much ice time they get. But yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Hoping for like a bridge deal, even like if it's somewhere in three to five years at, you know, anywhere in two and a half to four, like it's, it's tough. It's like what we got Dermot at, you know, in the early days. I feel yeah. like they might try and Sandy, uh, try and sign Sandy long term for a cheaper contract, but if not, it's probably going to be like you said, a bridge deal, uh, a little bit lower for Lily. But yeah, they're going to give them another couple years to really work themselves into this roster and determine what their real value is. Can't uh, can't hate that. So another another question from Luke Man here. So, how long do you think until we drop the men part and just say defender? or defense signing women play hockey too goaltender is gender neutral same with right wing center and left wing what do you guys think i really appreciate appreciate him bringing this topic up because we know <laughs> it's always a thing around sports and language we pick on language a lot more often than we used to 10 years ago for example and the problem is it's how sports are being broadcasted to the public, kind of like monkey see, monkey do. So when I hear defenseman, defenseman, like for three hours straight, it just blew out of my mouth. Oh, yeah, Riley, defenseman, etc. But it just creates this unconscious bias, which I hate at the same time because I deal with this all the time. But it, for example, knee push-ups turned into girl push-ups and like it creates all of these things that we are so used to saying but the mcc cricket club there has done these types of changes while uh changing it to instead of batsman to batter so that is a big step even though it's a tiny club but it's it depends on the news outlets the broadcasting it's everyone the, we just have to take that step together and continue to correct ourselves I think Steph's like 100% right on this. It's so ingrained in our minds to call a defenseman or centerman, always man at the end of it. Um, the NHL is and always has been an old boys club. And I feel that really, really needs to change, especially with everything that's going on right now. So, you know, let's start getting that change going. Let's progress a little bit. I think we definitely need to move forward. Got to agree. I mean, uh, I have been a on and off fan of survivor since day one and uh forever jeff's catchphrase has been uh, come on in guys i'm actually watching year, it this season and i caught it too yeah it's this is an insane season i don't know if anybody's watching that i almost wanted to start a survivor podcast it's been so crazy <laughs> but uh he asked them on the first episode you know my phrase has been come on in guys do you think it's time to retire it and uh granted it did take like at first everyone said they were cool with it. And then the next episode, somebody, uh, Ricard came forward and said, uh, actually on, on second thought, like, I think it is time we change it. So, but what do you do on... someone in a position of power is he asked that question and he took the feedback of people who are involved. And that's exactly what the NHL needs to do too. Right now. I think again, especially with everything's going on, like we need to open a discussion about everything right now. It's tough when you have two lawyers running the league. I understand that that's how, leagues are commissioned but lawyer speak only gets you so far when emotions and humanity is involved like sometimes you got to look at it through a different lens and uh, not be so careful with the wording and how things come out and and the fine print of it all and and just look at how people are reacting to it and what it's doing to the perception of the sport as a whole yeah and a lot of people have the argument like let's keep politics out of hockey let's like just focus on hockey but guess what when you're talking about the nhl it is political because this is the biggest league in the world that advertises to all audiences so we must be careful of what we say and how we say it and how you're perceived in general so at the end of the day it's it's huge and it means a lot to people especially when you use a uh, gender neutral language of course. Uh, so one, la one last question here. Um, easy one. Was that the most relaxed about the Leafs you've been watching a game all season? 
course. Oh my god, <laughs> it was great. Man. Is that even a question? I actually had fun that watching was, tonight. It was fun, right? Like it was like watching them last year. I mean, as boring as it got playing Canadian teams over and over again, they looked like a fun team. Like every time yeah. Matthews or Marner touched the puck, you're like, all right, let's go. Hey, these are some stars. Look, yeah. This podcast could have went so downhill if the Leafs busted a huge <laughs> loss, you know, especially after um, having the game without Patrick Kane against uh, Chicago, and then they won against Detroit without Bertuzzi, and now a super holy team with Vegas, but I'm so glad they they pulled through. And I prepared not- so many notes for that scenario because I really, <laughs> really thought that was was, was going to happen. And I'm so not thankful to, that's not what happened. Not to mention the Saws Sydney Crosby Pittsburgh game. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll all forget about that one. Yeah, I'm glad we're not uh, raging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so before we go here, I'm going to take a page out of uh, Adam Wilde's book, and we have an announcement. An announcement. Ooh. Something really, really fun we're going to try out. Um, it's going to be ever-evolving as we see the reception to it and, uh, you know, just how it works. We're trying things out. So check back next week. I really think this is something that is going to make us truly unique in the hockey and sports podcast world. Um, so stay tuned for our next episode as we are going to reveal something large. Very exciting. And I have another announcement that I can actually reveal right now. Yes. To leave a little breadcrumb. Our next episode will be our first one that will be up on our YouTube channel at Leafs Late Night. Now you can see So what that means for you two is dress your best. Dress your best. Get some fun background going. And, uh, you know, fix our uh, our connection problems because we love technology, don't we? Oh, it's Uh, the best. (laughs) So no more onesies? Is that the deal? Yeah, Yeah, we can't wear pajamas. pajamas. I'm I'm in pajamas too. Don't worry. I have to take off but... my Habs jersey. <laughs> oh, get out of here! Burn it. So uh, you'll be able to see us and uh, and watch us every game uh, on YouTube. Again, that is at Leafs Late Night. We've got the same handle everywhere you want to listen to us. And with that, we will sign off once again. I am Roscoe, joined by Steph the Fanalist and Subby. Check us out every game, Spotify, Audible, wherever you get them. Have a good night. Good night. See you next time.